Good morning, good morning, good morning, and happy snowy Sunday from the Jersey Shore. Whoa, where we walloped yesterday. And if you are tuning in, you are here today for another episode of Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn, and some of my most spectacular, wonderful, and amazing super friends. So you know this is an exciting 10-part series, now in Season 7, presented to you by Penn Global Visions and my team of super friends and my team of super helpers, angels all, and we explore the world of weight loss, weight loss maintenance, aging in reverse, heart health, optimizing health and well-being. So exciting to do this. We know that the name of the show, Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit, has a double meaning. So first, what does it mean to be weightless? And weightless and feeling light and feeling just in your spirit and effervescent and vital. So that's kind of the, the spiritual or the metaphysical meaning. And because yours truly is doubly board certified in family medicine and obesity medicine, as well as being a master in movement meditation and mindset coaching, we also explore that world of obesity that has the medical aspect. And we explore this for educational and informational purposes. So without further ado, let us listen to our beautiful theme song by Kenny Brazil Hamilton. And I want you, our fabulous listening audience, to get ready to drop a name in the chat, hashtag Meditation Nation, so we can give you a great big shout out, hello, and the warmest of welcomes from Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with Dr. Carol Penn. So, all right. So let's listen to and receive this beautiful music. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless No matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you open up your eyes You walk away Just If only they can see it Going through your paces It's amazing Weightless matter what people say You're full of greatness Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces, it's amazing. Well, hello, and welcome back to this episode of Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with Dr. Carol Penn, where soon you'll be meeting my superstar guest and friend and colleague, Dr. Kathy Farrar, where we are going to be discussing the compendium of mind-body medicine. So today's program is brought to you by Penn Global Visions and our very special monthly membership program, called Mindset Mastery Weightless, where we teach you how to pivot in the present moment so you can respond with vitality and vibrant health to what's going on in today's world. And we invite you to join this monthly membership program where each week you will receive a motivational, inspirational video hosted by yours truly. And then we meet once a month live for that live exchange of interaction. Of course, we're using the technology so you'll be in the safety and warmth of your own living room when you do so, but please consider 
joining our monthly membership program where I will personally welcome you into this intentional community of love, of hope, of joy. All right, you all, are you ready? Are you ready? I want you to put your seat belts on. You've met her before, many of you who have been following our wonderful show and our wonderful seasons, but some of you might be just meeting her. And if so, you are in for a special, special, special treat. And you know me, I like to bring my guests on camera so they can kind of receive and smell the roses, if you will, while they're hearing how amazing and how truly remarkable they are. So here she is, the beautiful, the amazing, Dr. Kathy Farah is certified with the American Board of Family Medicine and the American Board of Integrative Medicine as, and is a diplomat in the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Dr. Farah is an Associate Clinical Director with the Center of Mind-Body Medicine, the world's effective advanced-based program for healing population-wide psychological trauma and stress. She is a clinical lead for the Vision 8 program, which incorporates mind-body medicine and the whole health program in Florida, South Georgia, and Puerto Rico for our country's veterans. She is the clinical lead for the Native American and did and indigenous programs. These initiatives support local leaders and healers in communities such as Pine Ridge Reservation, South Dakota, to combine indigenous wisdom with cultural ways of healing to strengthen resilience. Dr. Farah has practiced full spectrum family medicine in Western Wisconsin for over 30 years, including 11 years with the Mayo Clinic. She provides integrative and holistic medicine at Western Wisconsin Health. Dr. Farah has been a consultant to families and children in the pain Palliative Care and Integrative Medicine Department at Children's Hospitals and Clinics in Minneapolis, Minnesota for 17 years. In those roles, she utilizes trauma-informed mind-body skills, cranial sacral therapy, and heart math. Welcome. Good morning, Dr. Kathy. Good morning, Dr. Carol. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I am thrilled. Happy New Year. We're still in the first month of the year. So yeah. I'm thrilled to say that and bring you on. And let's see who's joining us this morning so we can say hello. So Linda, Linda Parker Edwards, hashtag meditation nation. Yes, it's cold even in Florida today. So good morning. Anita Jean. Yes. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to James as well. Good morning and welcome to Donna. Good morning and welcome to Christine. Yes. Hashtag meditation nation. Thinking warm thoughts on this cold day. Yes, it's frigid. It's frigid where we are. So, oh, and, and Linda is saying, welcome back, Dr. Kathy. Welcome back. So, yes, yes, yes. And yes, so Christine is saying, welcome back, Dr. Kathy. So our audience is excited to welcome you back. Excited to see you as am I, as am I. And I'm excited because we're going to, do some updates on mind-body medicine, talk about the content, uh, compendium of mind-body medicine, and uh, let's just jump right in. So for people who aren't sure about, well, what is mind-body medicine? You know, we're both family practice doctors, and we both practice in those uh, traditional clinical roles. And there's this other piece going on over here. Let's talk about that piece. Yeah, so, you know, as you were reading my bio, um, I was just reflecting on how we met. And really, we met through mind-body medicine, uh, through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, and we always like to give kudos to them. And what mind-body medicine is, it really intentionally interacts uh, and respects the interaction between our mind and our body. And as the title of your show says, spirit as well. And in particular, you know, when I went to medical school, and I think a few years later, when you went to medical school, Dr. Carroll, you know, I would go to a cardiology rotation, we study the heart, and then we might study the gastrointestinal system. And it was as if 
all of these parts weren't together in this beautiful body of ours. And mind-body medicine really gives credence and now evidence to the fact that our mind and our body are constantly communicating and back and forth. And mind-body skills are really an opportunity to enter that conversation intentionally with a whole variety of different things that many people do really on their own. Um, so it can be things like, should I proceed to what some mind-body skills are, Carol, Dr. Carol? Absolutely, absolutely. So for example, there's things that you think of like yoga, for example, um, and Tai Chi and Qigong. So there's movement-based mind-body skills. Most of our mind-body skills involve the breath. So in fact, as a team, I asked if we could do some breathing before we came on air because I just wanted to have a center our energy. So there's breathing. There's meditation, which can be as complex as Zen, for example, or doing it a certain way, or just noticing the breath, or noticing the sunrise, or perhaps in your neck of the woods right now, noticing all the snow, um, which actually here in Wisconsin, I shouldn't say I'm a little jealous, but I am a little jealous. Um, and um, so breath, so movement, mindfulness is a type of meditation and mindfulness can be as simple as noticing. It's a great day to, to do a mindful walk and notice everything you notice. Guided imagery, self-hypnosis and hypnosis. The list goes on and on. And those are some of the, the bigger ones that I'm, I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Well, that's a wonderful concept and introduction. However, I would love to invite you perhaps to lead maybe one or two minutes so that our audience can get a taste of what it is that we're talking about this morning. Let's see if we can bring about any shifts with our, our, our viewers here. I would love to. So I'm going to just lead you in a simple breath meditation. So if you're comfortable, let your eyes close. You don't have to eyes open are perfectly fine. You might want to put your eyes down, maybe even set your device down for a moment. And then just first of all, just notice your breathing. I just invite you to welcome in the breath. And when I do that, especially intentionally, and most of our breaths are not intentional, I actually like to give thanks for my breath. In these days of COVID and struggle, to wake up and breathe another breath is truly a gift. So I invite you to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Perhaps with your hand on your abdomen, on your belly, as we say. Feeling the belly rise as you breathe in. And fall as you breathe out. In a pace that's comfortable for you, it may be totally different than what I lead you through. I also invite you to notice your feet on the ground, on the floor. And that's my cue for myself to acknowledge Mother Earth. I personally like to acknowledge the land that I live on, which was tended by the Ojibwe many years ago. And then just noticing the breath once again. Continue to breathe in a way that's comfortable for you. Knowing that when we breathe into our belly, there's science involved. It activates our vagus, our V-A-G-U-S nerve. And that nerve can send messages to our brain that says, hey, no emergency here. You can relax those shoulders a bit. And then another breath or two at your own pace. And then if your eyes are closed, perhaps at the end of an in-breath or an out-breath, you can just let them open gently. And just notice what you notice. <sighs> And go ahead and open your eyes, perhaps a little stretch if you wish. Ah, thank you so much. That was beautiful and refreshing. And I'm just wondering if any of our viewers 
had a reaction to that. Maybe they could drop that in the chat to ex- express that. You know, our, our, our hashtag is Meditation Nation for those that are participating in the community, for those that are part of the Weightless Monthly Membership Program. And it, oh, so Linda is saying very relaxing, very relaxing. So now the 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 doc Donna's knee that was great this morning. So yeah, and what was that? Two or three minutes. So let's kind of go through a couple of the systems that this might be impacting. You know, so the, the science in me, the nerd in me, and I think one of the reasons I was so drawn to the Center for Mind Body Medicine is it allowed the merger of both the the creative in me and the nerd in me to marry and to have that be fully expressed. So here we are using the breath. The breath, it is the key that opens us to life when we emerge from our mother's womb. And both you and I have had the profound privilege at being present at human birth. Ah, you know, just, if, you know, I don't, I don't care if you've seen, if you've been there one time or you've been there a million times, it never gets old. And you see that baby take its first breath. Yeah. So, and we know that this breath accompanies us steadily throughout the lifespan So now when we were breathing, how did our breath specifically interact with and impact, for example, our cardiovascular system? Yeah, so very simply, I guess I'll say, so when we breathe, let's just even step back. If we are stressed, let's just put it that way. If we are stressed, what happens generally is that we breathe short and shallow and use the upper half of our lungs, which does not exchange oxygen as well. We oftentimes go into what's called the fight flight response. So our heart rate raises, our breathing raises, becomes more shallow. Our digestion goes offline, so to speak. So it's no wonder that being stressed, so to speak, whatever that is causing that causes high blood pressure, heart issues, gastrointestinal issues, irritable bowel syndrome, in addition to things like pain. When we breathe slow and calmly, and in particular into our bellies, so some people don't like to think about their belly being soft because, you know, we want to work hard and get hard abs and six packs or whatever it is. Um, This is an invitation to have a Buddha belly, actually, and to just let the belly be soft. And what actually happens is that breath, consciously taking a breath is really the only system that we can enter in to that balance of the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So as I mentioned, when I was leading it, when you breathe into your belly, literally it activates the relaxation system, which is the parasympathetic. And it helps, we call it rest and digest. So we need the parasympathetic online all the mind-body skills that I mentioned, plus other things, brings the parasympathetic online to balance that stress response that causes tight shoulders, high heart rate, high blood pressure. So literally, breathing can be used for, I use it with my patients all the time. Um, My sister will say, you know, when I learned breathing, you know, she hates to have her blood pressure checked. But if she does her breathing, then her blood pressure is so much better. And occasionally, when we're in, able to see patients in person, which is most of the time now, um, sometimes my patients will say, oh, you called me in too fast. I didn't have a chance to do my breathing. Um, and so then they will actually do their breathing before the nurse rechecks their blood pressure. Right. Right. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Now, when you were taking us through that lovely guided meditation, you mentioned the term vagus nerve, you even spelled it for us, V-A-G-U-S. Now, let's just, again, because most of the people that are viewing the show, they're used to thinking of their body 
separately in systems because, well, this is the system and the culture that we were raised in, you know, so we go to the uh, cardiologist, we go to the endocrinologist, we go to the gastroenterologist. However, we are seeing and what you are suggesting is that there is an integration of all of this, but let's just keep going it down a little bit separately, if you will. How does the activation of the vagus nerve impact our endocrine system? And when we think of our endocrine system, we also think in our culture of some of the disease processes that impact the endocrine system, such as uh, type 2 diabetes, gout, polycystic ovarian syndrome, infertility, hypo and hyperthyroidism. So how does that, you know, gee, that vagus nerve, that funny little Latin term and the breath, how does that coordinate to impact our endocrine system? All right. This is getting good. Um, <laughs> we both love this stuff. Um, so put if, if anything that I say is not clear, please put a question in the chat. So let's talk about the vagus nerve. And I don't want to oversimplify it. It's about more than the vagus nerve. But for, and by the way, the reason that we spell it is because we teach to kids, we teach to other people, and they call it the Las Vegas nerve. Um, so what happens is that the, that vagus nerve is actually one of our cranial nerves. So it's one of the many nerves that come out of our brain. It literally comes out of, out of our skull. It sends, it, it sends, I like to call it hardwiring. It sends nerves to the heart, to the lungs, to the gut, but it isn't a one-way street. It also sends sensory, and has, actually has probably more sensory input back to our brain. So it's a constant, the brain's telling the, the body things and the body's telling the brain things. It's not the, and it's, by the way, they say that the enteric, the nervous system in our gut is the second brain. Um, and you've heard the term of our gut reaction. Back to the endocrine system. I'll try to stay focused. Um, so then what happens is that also there's branches to the, a little gland called the adrenal gland. A-D-R-E-N-A-L. Ad means above. Renal means kidney. So a little triangular gland above our kidneys in the back that's super important. So what happens with stress, it immediately kicks out some chemicals. I call them instant messages. And those instant messages are, the long words are epinephrine, norepinephrine, also known as adrenaline, and also cortisol. So cortisol is one of our stress hormones. And by the way, <clears throat> there's a few steps before that that I'm going to spare you. Like there's um, interaction from the hypothalamus that talks to the pituitary, that talks to the adrenal glands. But I don't think we need to know that great a detail. Just know that there's connections even before the adrenal gland. The important piece with regards in particular to some of the conditions you mentioned, Dr. Carroll, is that that cortisol, we need it. And cortisol tends to be high in the morning. It's supposed to be, where's my hand? There we are. High in the morning um, because that's our get up and go. And then it's supposed to go down as there's a natural rhythm. All right. And that natural rhythm helps us to go to sleep at night. With stress, cortisol goes into the body. With chronic stress, it goes in, goes in, it keeps firing. And our body isn't meant to always be on. So in particular, cortisol raises blood sugar. Hence, it can impact type 2 diabetes. So there can be people that have like, oh, I don't know why my blood sugar is off. Are you stressed? Yes. You know, X, Y, Z happened. And so that's one of the ways that it in particular impacts type 2 diabetes. Because other parts of the endocrine system are impacted. Female hormones, you mentioned polycystic ovary disease, um, that is impacted by this cortisol as well. Cortisol has a tendency to, it thinks cortisol is there, it thinks that this is an emergency because many times it is, but, and it wants to, it thinks that I need to store up fuel. So it tends to put weight on around our middle. And that weight around our middle is toxic and causes more inflammation. And that weight around the middle can affect things like our female hormones as well. And that can impact that polycystic ovary disease. So I think I'll pause there and let you um, ask well, me more. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You are really taking us through the compendium. And I know there are some other approaches that people want to learn and they want to hear about. However, before that, you know, my guests, they are so generous, not only with their their time, but they're also generous and that they give you a way to reach out and touch them. So Dr. Kathy is generally generously sharing her website with us. And she also has a gift for us. So there's her website. I want you to get her gift and her gift is a audio file and it is a guided meditation to help us with that very important mind, body, spirit skill called sleep. And we could do a whole show about sleep and sleep alone as a mind, body, spirit skill. And we might, we might do that. (laughs) We just might do that. And maybe if today, if we're lucky, we might get a chance to touch upon that because a lot of people um, try to short shrift their sleep and it, it it just it works against you it works against what the body needs to do so in this compendium one of the things that i would like to ask you about uh we both do this we both do small group facilitation and we were trained in the model that the center for mind body medicine has cultivated over 20 plus years. And one of the key components of teaching these skill sets, and they are skill sets. So we teach the breath work and we often teach it. You're talking about using it one-on-one in the clinical setting with patients. We both do that, but we also use small group facilitation. Why is the group a part of the skill set that we teach, and particularly, let's put it in the context of what's going on with the pandemic and social isolation and how these groups are being used. So from soup to nuts, from definition to how they've been used historically to how we are using them today. Great question. Great uh, discussion point. So yeah, um, we are social beings. Some of us might be introverts, some of us might be extroverts, but in general, we survived because we were banded together. And by the way, even though the Center for Mind-Body Medicine really brought all of these skills together in a form, obviously, sitting around a fire, for example, being in group, is, is this is how this species has survived. So I really want to acknowledge indigenous wisdom in this as well. And we know that you know, what I really love is that the science is catching up with what we actually knew before. And for many of us, I think I would like to say all of us sitting, whether we're sitting in person, and now we've discovered over the last two and a half years, maybe longer, that we can actually do it virtually. The pre- the presence of being of another person being heard, even our conversation, Dr. Carol, you know, as we connect, I can feel my energy building, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, we teach self-regulation, but there's also co-regulation. And what I would say in co-regulation is how the energy of someone else impacts us. And there's something about learning a skill in group together that actually increases the ability to do that. And even more so, being heard, being heard. Um, I visited a friend just recently that's had COVID and has been socially isolated. And, you know, and she just said, I can't, I kept saying, I can't believe it feels so good to have someone here. And sometimes we can do that. And sometimes we can't. And the part of the science behind it, Dr. Carol mentioned when she read my bio, that one of the things that I do is another um, technique and credit to HeartMath Institute where they, where they studied the field around us. And there's many other places that have done it as well. But we actually know that, you know, when you go into a room or even on a Zoom call, you get kind of get the vibe. Well, that's the energy that someone else has. And if the energy that we are giving out is one of compassion or love or just listening without judging, 
that can change how I feel and how and being heard, the act of being heard is so important. I also think that sometimes these mind-body skills um, might seem a little odd or a little weird or I'm a little skeptical, and that's fine. Being skeptical is fine. That's part of our amygdala, um, the part that I didn't mention, but the amygdala is the part in our brain that is always searching for danger, okay? It's the one that actually sets off that fight or flight. And the amygdala, it's, it's good. It's like, okay, do I am I safe here or not? However, when you learn things in group and you see people taking a little risk, it's like, oh, well, maybe I can take a risk and try something like shaking, for example, to shake off all the stress. There was one of the listeners asked, what about what else other than breathing? It's things like shaking, like moving, qigong, for example. I don't know if I've exactly answered your question, Dr. Carol, but I think maybe in the general sense of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I just want to get back to that because as you were bringing up the term co-regulation, so the importance of whatever the skill is. So yes, one can do this on one's own and it is important to do on one's own and to, to learn these skill sets. You know, it, it's like... If you are going to, if you're a plumber, you need your tools as a plumber. So if you're a human being, you're a spiritual being having the human experience, these are your tools. You know, these, this is what you need. You're a surgeon. You need to have your uh, tools to perform the surgery sec successfully. So these are your tools as spiritual beings having a human experience. So learning how to purposely use the breath, learning. How, so it's like turning on the energetic imprint of our physiological, our physiologic um, systems as human beings. So, you know, we showed up on the earth, we're in our earth suits, and this is what we need to do. So you mentioned movement just shaking, dancing. So, you know, you're not necessarily focused on your breath. You're focused on the body. You're focused on movement. And this is what indigenous people across continents have understood when they cultivated practices such as uh, much of the West African dance has its root as a healing element. Much of the martial arts has as its root a healing element. Much of what indigenous people in the North and South America through their dance have at their root a healing element that they did in the group for this co-regulation. Our first experience in co-regulation happens when the baby comes out of the mama, the baby takes its first breath, and then where is the baby supposed to go? It's supposed to go right skin to skin, heart to heart on the mama's chest. And it is the beating of the mother's heart that co-regulates the beating of the baby's heart. So the baby is getting infused with the tools that it needs to stay present in the body to live its life as a human being. And we don't lose that. When we give each other a heart hug, that chest skin to skin, bam. And if we were to be hooked up to heart monitors, we would see our hearts sink, see our hearts come into co-regulation. And that is, again, a skill set. So you can when we can get back into the world of safely hugging <laughs> or, you know, however we're going to hug the importance of that. And that's been some of the problem with the pandemic, right? Is we haven't been able to have the co-regulation of the group, the proximity, the, what happens when the electromagnetic fields like bump up against each other, when you embrace someone, when you hug someone and that, prior to the pandemic, was the subject of scientific study, the, the study of what happens to human beings in isolation, right? Yeah, and a couple of things pop into my head, Dr. Carroll. You know, one is, you know, imagery or guided imagery is one of our mind-body tools where we imagine things in great detail using all of our senses. You know, and the interesting thing as you were doing that is I was thinking, hmm, I wonder if... Um, 
well, and I do that, you know, imagine that if you can't be in person with someone, imagine that you are with all the detail, because we know PET scans have shown us that if we, for example, imagine smelling something, the same area of the brain lights up as if we truly were smelling it. So if you imagine being with someone you love or being in a situation or being in a place that actually, as she mentioned, changes our heart rhythm from if you're angry, the heart rate variability is very choppy and it looks dysregulated. And even if you just do the uh, technique of imagining uh, being in a situation that makes you feel better, it actually makes it look more like a wave. It's hard for me to do on this screen, but like a wave. Um, so really using your imagination, if you can't be in person to get that hug, to be with those with the people that you love or to be in a place that you love, it doesn't always have to be a person either. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's, let's, let's get into it. So we have, we've talked about breath and on purpose using breath and breath work in a focused way. We've talked about movement. We've mentioned shaking, dancing, the martial arts in particular, Tai Chi and Qigong, which I think are probably the most studied at this point, but that doesn't mean that it's not available to you through other approaches to, to movement as well. Yoga is also very studied. Um, and again, there are other approaches. One of my favorite forms of movement is West African dance and using the, the, the first instrument, which is designed to regulate our heartbeat, and that's the drum. So, so much of that, that, that drumming music and the synchronicity that can come together from listening to the drum and just, you know, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And again, more scientific study is needed in that area for those of us with the Western mind that like the randomized control okay. trial and like to understand what relates to what. And that doesn't mean that if you are studying that, that you shouldn't continue to study and express that. Um, as we're also working on in this world of mind, body, medicine, and spiritual medicine to be inclusive, inclusive and aware of all cultures and wisdom traditions. So that being said, we also, we've got music as, as a possibility. So something that's happening out there that you listen to and receive over here. We've talked about guided imagery and let's let's go into that a little bit more so imagination guided imagery the brain will fire as if it's really happening what's a little bit of the science behind that and um how do people know that guided imagery is effective for them right um so yes, so guided imagery is very well studied. Like you mentioned, the movement piece too. And by the way, can I just, I was going to private chat you, but um, put, uh, I do want to talk about freeze at some point, but not right now. I just don't want to lose that. Okay, thought. note. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So um, so guided imagery, guided imagery, you know, in all my work with children, kids just do, I mean, kids live in the world of the imagination, you know, playing pretend. I have grandchildren, you know, we play pretend you know, and and really, it is as if it's really real. And there's been lots of studies, particularly in the cancer world, uh, using guided imagery and other other things too, where really where, what we imagine can be helpful. So there are uh, the types of guided imagery where you actually, like I guided you through a breath imagery, although I allowed you to do some of it on your own. So an example, there are some imageries out there, for example, Dr. Carroll does a lot of them, as well as myself, where he might say, okay, fine, it can be open ended, where like, pick, you pick the place that you want to be. And the thing with imagery is that always imagining all of your senses. Some people don't visualize when they have guided image, they might hear something, or they might even taste have that might be a stronger sense for them. There's guided imagery that has shown that you can raise your Blood cells, for example, if you've had chemotherapy and you're watching your, your cells, there's some people who come up with their own image, like the image of something chewing up the or fighting off the cancer cells, for example. 
there's guided imagery that can imagine that instead of think, living in the world of pain, that you can um, actually move through and be in that special place. I've been uh, having some issues with arthritis this summer and in particular, and I've been using guided imagery a lot, really to imagine that leaving me and imagine myself being able to walk and move because that's one of my mind-body skills that I rely on. So guided imagery is used for high blood pressure. It's used for autoimmune disorders. It is really used across the medical field. Now, does every medical um, place, hospital, clinic think of it? Not necessarily. Uh, but that's where we can empower ourselves to learn things for ourselves as we enter these places because it's stressful yeah, even to, you know, to even think about going into a medical facility these days. Uh, so that's a bit about guided imagery. Well, thank you so much. And hey, Dr. Erica and Dr. Kina, welcome to the show this morning. So I know I made a note. We're going to get back to freeze and the freeze response um, momentarily. Yeah, let's get into that now, because then okay. I do have a question about, you know, how does one train to learn how to facilitate mind, body, and spirit medicine, because we certainly didn't get this training in medical school, did we? That is true. <laughs> That's so true. Um, so yeah, so let's, the, the freeze response, what I was talking about before was the stress response, the fight or flight, the sympathetic, and then the relaxation response, which is the parasympathetic, the rest, hence the sleep audio, and digest. There's another response. In the face of overwhelming trauma, overwhelming stress, let's just say, or even a trigger, we can do something called freeze. So freeze is where <clears throat> you're all prepared uh, to take a test. I see this in students all the time. They sit down to take the test or sign in and all that knowledge goes away. Or you are um, maybe have a little strange fright or don't like public speaking and you're all prepared and then you get on screen and freeze. Or in a trauma kinds of situations, um, freezes can be a good thing. So if, for example, you're in a household where you're not safe, perhaps being small and quiet, you know, so if someone comes home drunk, you're not even noticed, for example. The freeze response is really overwhelming parasympathetic. You know, we always look to the animal kingdom. So in the animal kingdom, you know, in the wild, I live in the woods, I could look out and see a deer who might, if they, if it saw my dog or my husband, perhaps would freeze. It's the deer in the headlight because if they freeze, they might not be seen. So the freeze response takes a little bit different technique to help us deal with it. So yes, breath can help, but more often it's the active technique. So we already talked about some of the active techniques, whether it's shaking or Qigong or yoga, but I just wanted to introduce that as a, a point of understanding that different types of responses in our body require a different kind of approach, let's say. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it is so right now, it's not necessarily commonplace for for people to have this kind of built out toolkit, if you will, if you if you will. So this is something that you and I use. We've become certified in this. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the day when it is commonplace, where people are really empowered, where they understand that the original medicine, the ideal medicine for who and how they need to express as human beings in the world is inside of them. And these are breadcrumbs to that spark of human physiology, if you will, that are all tied together. We tie together in mind, body, and spirit. How does a person train to facilitate or to offer this? This is, you know, something that I'm always suggesting to my superstar friends in medicine across whatever specialty that you're in, because I, I do think it gives you an advantage that makes a difference and it sets you right at the threshold of what I think the uh, new and emerging medicine will be. 
Yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, we always like to give kudos to the Center for Mind-Body Medicine, and I believe it was posted, uh, the link to their cmbm.org has already been posted and maybe can be posted again. So the Center for Mind-Body Medicine is a training program. They have a training program in which uh, you actually learn about the science of many mind-body techniques. You get the benefit of being in a small group, and then you can learn how to lead groups if you do further training. Center for Mind-Body Medicine has many videos on the website under self-care resources. In addition, I know, Dr. Carol, that your YouTube has lots of of lots of um, experiences, many of which are guided imagery, many of which are movement. I mean, I know that for a fact. Um, and I have a, a few on mine, but I'm a, a, an intern in that. We've switched roles, Dr. Carol. Um, <laughs> There are also some other, uh, what I actually offer to people, and, you know, we've heard some, I see some in the chat about trust, trusting your gut or your intuition. And what I, those breadcrumbs that Dr. Carol talked about are things like, you know, that imagery, that sounds really interesting. I wonder if that's something I'd like to do. And then checking out some of those resources. Another resource that I didn't tell the production team ahead of time that I use a lot her name, and I won't spell it for you. I'll give you the name, but then I'll give you the website. The name is Belruth Knapperstack, and she's wonderful. Her website and her app is healthjourneys.com. She has guided imagery. I use her sleep one. Um, she also has things for many other conditions, so to speak, including stress, including trauma, including autoimmune, including addictions. Um, so healthjourneys.com, I really like to give her kudos because she really is uh, Bell Ruth Knapperstack, and I'm not going to spell that for you, um, is a great resource as well. And those are ones that come to the top of my mind. Uh, you know, we have the beauty of the internet and the beauty of YouTube and the beauty of being able to just sort of search some sites and see who, you know, whose voice do you like or what really calls out to you. I kind of go by one of the, I have no idea if this is a spiritual thing or not, but you know, if things show up like a couple of times. Um, so it's like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about that. Oh, and then now Dr. Carol mentioned or Dr. Kathy mentioned it, or, you know, maybe should I should try it always with the idea, you know, like GPS, we can recalculate just because we start listening to something and thinking that's going to help us or whatever, we can do something different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a, a couple of questions in here. Like, for example, are there uh, functional medicine or holistic endocrinologists? The answer is yes. And you have to look for them. You have to kind of interview your, your the doctor and ask what additional training. Ask them, have you had functional medicine training? Have you had mind-body medicine training? Have you had lifestyle medicine training? Have you had energy medicine training? And each of those questions implies a different skill set. A different so that might be another show as, as we look at what are the additional fields of study that a board certified psychiatrist, family medicine, endocrinologist, cardiologist, gastro, <laughs> gastroenterologist, otolaryngologist might have in order to, you know, really be able to offer an approach to, you know, integrative uh, medicine, for example, which brings together the worlds, all the worlds. And for me, I think the newly emerging doctor beyond what we're calling value-based medicine now will have at the root of what they offer is how to introduce you to optimize your human experience. And you know, I think that's what's coming down the pike. Right. Yes, and if you're a practitioner um, well, for lack of better words, poo-poos it, or like there's no evidence for meditation or mindfulness or whatever. Thank you very much. Have a nice day and find someone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, the evidence is clear. The evidence is in. And I think that's very in, important. You want to understand the consciousness of the person that you are asking 
to co-create with you in terms of your experience of health and well-being while you are living in the body that you've been given at this point um, in time. So, you know, it, it's sort of like you want someone who's walking the talk. So if you're a person who's very, very interested in self-regulation and co-regulation, food as medicine, understanding sleep, understanding breath, understanding movement, understanding journaling, and how these things can apply to you to activate your internal pharmacological storehouse, biochemical storehouse, then you need to ask certain questions to make sure that they have that training. And maybe they don't deliver it, but they can refer you to someone or give you some resources. In this world of apps, for example, if you enjoy guided imagery, well, you can download an app called Calm mm -hmm. Yes, as a resource, yeah, for example. So I, I really think um, that, oh, well, thank you very much, Lynn. I really think that there is, we 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 call something the new medicine, you know, mind, body, spirit, where we look at what we call the complementary and alternative medicines and currently kind of on the outside of the wheel. And, you know, we flip it and put self-care at the center of the wheel and put the pharmacological and the surgical at the outside of the wheel. Those things are the need for those things. is not going to go away. Thank God we have them. However, more and more and more. And we, I really see it with um, kids in my son's generation. So I'm talking about folk in their 20, where they're using the technology more and more. They don't necessarily want to come to the doctor and they don't necessarily need to come to the doctor, but they are interested in being well and being vital and being healthy. And more and more technologies are being developed out there where you could do just that. So where does that leave us, Dr. Kathy? What's going to be our role in this newly emerging world of, of and, and it's something that, you know, we want people to better care for themselves. Yeah, I think I feel our role is, <clears throat> excuse me, education is to really both educating ourselves. And I like to make sure that I know the new science that I know uh, I, and I say new science because there is some new science. It's not all old science or recycled science or recycled wisdom, so to speak. So for me, I feel my job is to be an educator, whether it's at not only educating my patients, but educating my colleagues as well, that there are things that people can do and people want to do them. You want to do them. I want to do them. I want to have I want to have a role. And I also um, yeah, so I'm always learning something new. Um, and I feel like our role is to help to be the uh, almost like the interpreters or the translators or a bridge, perhaps, between medical science. I felt, I felt like a bridge for many times, whether it's a bridge between integrative medicine and mind body or maybe what some people used to call alternative medicine and we think is crucial medicine and the Western medicine, so to speak. But also all of those things, how we interpret that and translate it for our patients and colleagues and communities is what I feel like my role is. Well, beautiful. It's it's going to be really fascinating to see what un, unfolds. And I do see myself as, as a guide. And right now I've placed myself um, in several places along the continuum of care to be an access point for people from the uninsured to the minimally insured to people who really want um, access at a, on a very high end. Because I think, you know, we all need this and we all need to really join together to bring about a huge change, huge change. I think the medical system that you and I were trained in is dying. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it should be allowed to go on ahead, yeah. respect it, salute it, thank the universe for it. And the newly emerging universal human being needs something else. 
something entirely different. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like when you place it within the context of a third party payer system. I don't know what it's going to look like when you place it in the context of uh, global cap uh, capitalism that really makes the economic world go round and the energetic imprint of that. And I know we need to work together across multiple systems to bring about the change because we also don't want to cause a, a tsunami of global collapse by you know pulling the rug out from under very very quickly that would be irresponsible that wouldn't work and that would lead to a lot of destruction and collateral damage and uh, annihilation so that being said what do you feel will be a future role that you might be playing as we step into this this new space? I feel really what came to me as I heard your words, and uh, Patrick, thank you for, you for your words as well. Um, I feel that it, ha it can't be just in one-on-one -on -one interactions with a solo, single practitioner, be it a physician or nurse practitioner. I think that we have to heal in communities. I really feel like that's really where the juice is. Um, I always say that trauma that happens in communities has to be healed in communities, whether that trauma is racism or whether that trauma is um, a fire or a mass shooting. And these are communities that we work in, whether it's historical trauma. So I really feel that continuing to work in communities and spreading the word and empowering people within their communities be, to bring these skills into integrate it to what they already do, I think is really, really where the key is, in my opinion. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Thank you for Gatton. having me. Yes, yes, yes. And thank you from even, you know, before the show where we were doing our breathing together with our wonderful production team. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts to Mr. DM Jones and to Miss Kenya Pope for just just putting such a beautiful frame around all that we do here today. And we're getting ready to come to the end of this episode, season seven episode number four, I believe. And we want to thank you again, Dr. Kathy, for being here as we thank discuss you. the compendium of mind, body, and spirit medicine on today's show. We hope that you have gotten value out of this. And maybe you heard one thing about breath, about movement, about healing together in community that was beneficial to you. And as always, myself. I thank you for listening to Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit. So listen, if you love Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit, and you love participating live, I want you to hop on over to Anchor FM, Anchor FM, and I want you to rate us and check out our other episodes. You've probably missed some pearls of wisdom. Be sure to join us next week when our guest is going to be the awesome, the unique, the one-of-a-kind Dr. Ian Sears. He is a guest that people request. They want him to come back and come back frequently. So we are looking forward for you participating live next week with Dr. Ian. Don't forget, be sure to go on over to Anchor FM or wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe to Waitlist and Mind, Body, and Spirit. It's very helpful if you drop a little rating or a little review for us. And we want you to drop the weight, whether it's the, the weight of feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders or maybe you want to get rid of some of that um, unhealthy adipose tissue that Dr. Kathy was referring to earlier in the show. So listen, this was fabulous. This was fabulous. We hope that all of you will take a better breath today, a deeper breath, a renewed breath, knowing that you never took that breath in the context of the present day moment that you are living right now. So if you don't do anything else but become more aware of your breath 
in the moment, that's called being mindful. Thich Nhat Hanh said that the miracle is not that we walk on the water, but the miracle is that we are awake and aware of what's going on in the moment. And I couldn't agree more as we, again, we're so grateful for that teacher and his teachings that will live in the world eternally. So listen, come on. You want to make sure that you join our monthly program of Weightless, Pivot in the Present, and begin to implicate these good things and many good things in your life. You want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, want to rate us on Anchor FM, and most importantly, you want to check out what's going on with Dr. Kathy, and you want to make sure you're right back here next Sunday. I'm going to sign us off. Thank you again, Dr. Kathy. Thank you all, and thank you for having me. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless.